Talk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The Omnitalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is June 30th. I'm your host, Dan Mazinga. And I am Chris Walton. Yeah, very sprightly Chris Walton very today. Very sprightly. Uh, and we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing. Chris. And how are you doing today? You got a lot of energy going into Fourth of I, July I, weekend. I'm doing good. I am. I am purposely trying to get the energy on because I, I, I'm my body's riddled with op- opioids right now. And I had a muscle biopsy at Mayo earlier this week, and uh, been been able, been barely able to walk all week, but it's made it into the laughable. podcast studio today. So, yes. so yeah, I'm. But I'm. I'm trying to. You know, I've got the caffeine going to try to get me out of this stupor that I'm in. But you know, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Ready to drop some knowledge like it's hot. Anne. Oh my Like gosh. always, you just can't resist getting a terrible line from a rap song. Right. Into no, I know for sure. Days. No, but in all seriousness, no, I haven't. I mean, I, I was on them a couple days ago. I'm not anymore. But like, it's it's. I'm feeling. I'm starting to recover. I feel Good. like I'll be able to walk again by Saturday. Good. That's what my are you goal. guys going to do for Fourth of July? Walk again by Saturday. Oh, Mrs. Omnitalk has some f- dental school friends coming okay. into town. Okay. Uh, her and her her husband and her two little chitlins are staying with our staying at our house this weekend. Okay. So it it stands to be a fun filled house at the. Omnitalk. Are you guys gonna like uh, do fireworks or like, do you like go to Wisconsin to get your fireworks? I think I'm smoking pizza tomorrow. Smoking pizza? Yeah, I think we're doing that tomorrow, and then the rest like of making the... pizza in the smoke. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. Yes. Good. Yeah, smoking pizza. Yeah. It's, I, well, I don't know how else you. You say started that, listening Anne. to like little wow. yachty or something, you, 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 and now you're now you're talking you, about you maybe smoking. Like, I I don't know what pizza. I'm talking about. Okay, sure, but yeah, no, I think it's her. It's the woman who's coming's birthday, and so we're gonna smoke some pizza, and then we haven't really figured out Fourth of July yet because there's some thought that they might actually leave and go back to Chicago on Fourth of July, and oh, man. so we don't know yet. So but, many logistics yeah, to work out. You, but you have like the you have like the 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 Iron Chef Tournament of Barbecue yeah. Championships. Yeah, I just going got the on. secret ingredient this morning. So, oh, like, what, what is the secret ingredient? And pork. Well, it's not really a secret then. Well, no, the secret <laughs> ingredient is pork. We got it this morning. My mom was, you know, very concerned about making sure to give us time. How many courses do you have to make with the secret ingredient? One main dish. One main dish. You get extra points for red, white, and blue flair. Do you have to put the secret ingredient in the dessert like the show? Oh, God, I hope not. That would be so disgusting. (laughs) Pork. Oh, my God. All right, Ed. Pork bomb pops for everybody (laughs) on the 4th of July weekend. Pork grinds and ice cream. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, well, Anne, let's get to the reviews this week. We've got a great review. This is another really good one. I love this one. It comes to us from FP Urban Advisors. Please tell us who you guys are, too, (laughs) because I'm still dying to know who all these people are. But anyway, here's what they had to say. Seriously, the best retail podcast. Five stars. Fun. Funny. Because fun wasn't enough. He had to add funny. Smart or she. And you acknowledge Grace Jones' birthday a few weeks ago. And your guests are just as smart and sharp. Thanks for your perspectives. Next time in, you're in Chicago speaking, let us know. Absolutely. Who's Grace Jones again? Grace Jones. She was Mayday in A View to a Kill, Roger Moore's last James Bond movie. And come on, duh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think uh, she was also a rock star in the 80s. For like, She had like one famous song or something, too, mm, if I remember right. But That was a very specific thing that this person likes about the show. I know, right? That's, that, that's why we do it. That's why we drop those lines. Oh, my gosh. Well, please, if you are listening, it's our weekly reminder to make sure to 
Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Heart the podcast if you're on Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. You know the drill, but please follow and subscribe so that we can keep making all this Omnitalk retail content possible for all of you. And one day, Chris will definitely read your review. Yes, we'll get to it. Yes, we will. We got a few more this week. They're um, lined up in chronological order, Anne. Oh, my gosh. Let's do this. In a spreadsheet. In a, no yes, doubt. of course they're in a spreadsheet, yes. Anne. Yes, uh, of all right, course. Chris, let's get to the headlines. All right, Anne. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Trigo and Reva launching their second, much larger grocery store in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Amazon unveiling its new physical retail store analytics service. Gap's plan to build four lab store within its four lab stores, excuse me, within within its headquarters, which is why I'm also wearing my one piece of Gap clothing today. For those Aww. watching on t- on on YouTube, the hot water in which Am- uh, Walmart now finds itself with the FTC. Ooh, got to hear about that one. But first, we take off with big news, and I think this may be the first time we've ever led the show with this company. But big news out of Bed Bath and Beyond. Is it the first time? I don't know. I think I, think, it, I don't know. Maybe I, I think, think the activist investor. Lead. Yes. Okay. Lead. All right. Well, Chris, um, we teased it enough. We learned of the news yesterday morning from CNBC, but Mark Tritton is officially out as CEO of Bed Bath and Beyond. The news came on word of a 24% drop in same-store sales and a 21% drop in e-commerce sales over the prior quarter. Ouch. Yeah, right. Damn. Uh, Sue, Sue Gove, Govey? I don't know how I don't you know pronounce how you say her, her name. name actually, yeah. um, an independent Good try, direct- though. Yeah, give, give it a multiple, couple of options. Multiple options? Yeah, yeah I like that approach. Uh, she is an <laughs> independent director on the board, and she will now step in as interim CEO. Chris... Um, this is another week, I think, where you get to like do your little victory dance or whatever you do I, in these scenarios. I but think so. What What are your thoughts on this one? First of all, I never like to take a victory lap when someone is fired, but um, but you know, <laughs> good, good. But good I, you know, I, I don't revel in that, but I do take some pride in it. I guess I would say too. But okay. I, I don't know if there's really a difference between reveling and pr- taking pride, but but anyway. And because the joke is so easy, I'm going to make it today. And I, I here's my thoughts on this. First of all, my 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 thoughts on this are that I guess his job was not quote unquote sequentially stable as he led us to believe Bed Bath and Beyond's market share was. Which, for loyal Omni Talk fans, they'll recognize uh, that joke pretty easily. But you know, to me, at the end of the day, and like you said, Ann, I've been incredibly vocal on this, perhaps more than any. I would actually say perhaps more than anyone. Yeah, from the got a very, real, very beginning like, on this. flag in the sand on this one. Yeah, I did, because I never liked the hire. And I didn't like the hire for two reasons. One, I hated the private label strategy. Okay. It's the exact wrong thing to do, which yep. we talked about on the show ab nauseum. Mm-hmm. But in summary, for those maybe that are new to the show, to me it introduced a ton of risk into the assortment and put you head-to-head with the big guys, like Target, Walmart, Wayfair. And ultimately, it doesn't answer the question, which is fundamental, which is why are people coming to Bed Bath & Beyond to begin with? Right. Because you... Even if you make great private label products, you're still going to buy those online. Why am I going to the store? How are you fundamentally solving that issue? And then two, which I think is also really important in the context of this story, he was given way, way too much credit for what he did at Target. Hmm. Um, As you always joke, Ann, Target has always had private label brands. Right, right, right. And all he did was he was was in tenure there Mm -hmm. when they remarketed them. They rebranded them. Right. And so the question that I always like to ask is, would Target have gotten to that place without him? 100% 100% yes. Yeah, you think so? With Oh my God, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, there's no doubt in my mind that Target would have gotten to the same place without yeah. him. And so the question is, like, it just to me it was the exact wrong strategy, exact wrong hire from Bed Bath & Beyond. Curious to see where they go next with this. I would have gone personally in the opposite direction, 
I would have leveraged the actual national brands that they had more and played mm-hmm. them up more. I think right. that's the way to do it, to, to play up the cachet that you can get on your shelves mm-hmm. relative to a Target and a Walmart. Yeah. But hey, but that's my take. Yeah, I mean, when I read this, I was not surprised at all. Um, he was getting paid a lot of money. Like, I brought well, up the, the activist letter. Off. Yeah, he was getting paid so much money. Yeah. Um, that Ryan Cohen letter when he kind of yeah. called them all out for not producing work that's getting people inside of Bed Bath & Beyond. Right. Like, we just keep, kept seeing. And still, even, like, within the last couple of weeks, they're still putting out own brands as their strategy, which, like, for me, during a pandemic, like, there was no discussion of outside of maybe like curbside pickup where they were trying to make the experience better or you know bring people in for those like well-known brands that Bed Bath & Beyond can offer a customer there was no reason especially in the home category like the home category was blowing up during the last 2 years because people had a right. lot of money to burn right. they were investing in their homes and their spaces and you know spending money to make their lives better at, in their houses. And there was they should have been winning. They should have been testing much more outside of own brands. And after three years, there's no, no, no. more reason to shop there than there was when he started, which is, which is I think, the, the issue for me and Bed Bath & Beyond as a whole. Right. And actually, you bring up another point, too, which somebody sent to me on, on, on social media, too, which I thought was interesting. He said he placed an order for like a special soap that Bed Bath & Beyond still carried. And he ordered six of them. Mm-hmm. And he got six separate deliveries. Mm. Which is important because it shows you that you can't fix what's going on with a retailer from a branding strategy. It's the product problem I've talked about all the time. Like right. You have to fix it fundamentally from the ground up. And that shows me that there's still a lot of root issues in, in their fulfillment, in their omnichannel capabilities overall. But your last point, too, that I think is great, is he made a ton of money on this. So maybe I do revel in this a little bit because if you can make that much money on the way up mm-hmm. when you're not effectively doing anything you better well be able to take the criticism on the way down. Right. That's what I think. And right. that's why I actually think we do what we do because it's important to point this out along the whole journey here as well. Right. All right, Ann, let's go to headline number two. And that is Reva has now opened up its second, mm. second autonomous grocery store with Trio right in Berlin. According to our friends at the Retail Insight Network, the new store comes on the heels of their first store that launched in Cologne last year, which... Oh, yeah. By the way, check out our cool video on YouTube mm-hmm. where we did a supermarket sweep of the store. We sure did. Because we couldn't get in there because of GDPR. There's all kinds of restrictions with GDPR in Germany. So we came up with this cool supermarket sweep way to shoot the video to show you how fast the experience is. Yeah. But here's the cool thing. This store that they announced is going to be roughly twice the size of the Cologne store, which we just visited in Europe. And that store was between two th- roughly 2,000 to 3,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. It, too, will be a hybrid store that mm-hmm. offers both traditional checkout and the fully autonomous experience. And here's this is key. This is a big difference. It also allows customers to buy fruits and vegetables by weight instead of by units. Yes. And yes. your thoughts. I love this. I mean, I have For to say, sure. like, our biggest takeaway from our European tour of the Trigo stores, we visited a Netto store, an Aldi Nord store, and uh, this first Reva store that Chris mentioned. And I think the thing that was most surprising is they feel like real grocery stores. We're not, yeah. like, we're not in this world where it's, like, this tiny box of a convenience store where you can get, like, one right. banana or, like, <laughs> pre-packaged apples. Like, right. it it felt like a normal grocery store experience, which I think is the biggest thing that we need to talk about. Trigo, not Amazon, but another major computer vision and AI uh, platform has figured out how to do grocery. And I think that's really important, especially when you talk about, like, the weighted scales 
um, the self-dispensing beverages and foods. Yep. Like these are big challenges that mm-hmm. they've had to overcome um, in the grocery space. And I think you know they've shown that there's other retailers, Revo, the second largest grocer in Germany, that can be strong contenders when we are seeing what Amazon's bringing to the market in the next few months. 100%. Your point's dead right, too. I, like We went into another Reva store in Cologne, mm-hmm. and it was exactly the same right. experience. The only difference is it's running on a Just Walk Out technology platform or right. something akin to it, right? right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think this announcement is really big. Um, I, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. I kind of even put it maybe a little bit bigger. Like, I think it's I think it's huge. And mm-hmm. full disclosure for those listening, Trigo is a past sponsor of this show, of this very show. Yeah. And they also helped, going to call it out, they helped us pay for our exploits in Europe recently too. But I have no qualms in saying it because I think we try really hard to hitch our wagons to the companies that we think are making hay in this space. But if you look at it, it's true. Like, Second store, mm-hmm. full grocery experience, like you said, now 4,000 to 6,000 square feet. Yep. That's doubling the size, which is roughly, if you look back, the same timeline and trajectory by which Amazon doubled their square footage, right. which I think is important because it shows you Trigo's on that same path. Amazon just got started a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And to your point, like Trigo's solely in the lead here, in my opinion now, alongside of Amazon on having tech that's robust enough for a full-scale grocery operation Absolutely. here in the future. Yeah. And so while everyone else has been making hay with convenience store operators and deliberately going after them, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the AFIs the, or IFIs, I always say that wrong, um, standards, all those guys, Trigo is showing, like you said, they're a potential long-term option if you want to explore this without Amazon. Yeah. I think the other thing too, Chris, is that, you know, this is a hybrid store. Yep. Um, while we, you know, our opinion is that, you know, if you're really going to go for this, that what Amazon's doing is probably the right way to go where you're just like going all in. There is still going to be a learning curve for the retailers, especially the grocery industry to get onto this. And so Trigo, I think the ability to be able to kind of take that step and offer like we can do a hybrid store in this large footprint or we can do a just walk out version, you know, in the same footprint will work with you to get to that point in time, I think, is another thing to um, that will help more adoption with this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's funny, too, like this and yeah. Also happens to be our put you on the spot question oh, this man. week. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. That was this. That was I. I was like moving on to the next headline. You're you were you're bringing it up on. Well, me. yeah. Like, I, I can't let you move on. And I know. Okay. I saw you ready to go, but I deliberately I held this one until the end of our conversation to kind of spur it on you because I feel like I've gotten the last few of them. But all right, here's the question, Anne. A and M. We expect most eyes will be drawn to the cashier this walkout experience in Reva's autonomous grocery store announcement. Putting okay. your retailer hat on, what other use cases would you be excited to employ with the additional data these sophisticated ceiling mounted cameras? can provide you and okay well i think that the biggest thing is once you've invested in putting the hardware in your stores Mm -hmm. so the cameras the shelf sensors like the total package that enables a cashierless checkout experience like we're seeing here i think that it unlocks the ability down the road once once that you can get the the compute power to be doing so many things like you know, dwell time in front of displays customers interaction with products which will be very helpful for brands customer journey mapping, like sending targeted offers to people, like all of these other things that are all like separate technologies right now can eventually be run through the use of this setup, which I think justifies the investment that a lot of retailers are going to have to make for this. So I think, you know, we're just going to continue to see the the validity for investing in this kind of tech. 100%. And like, 
you know, we covered a lot of those use cases at NRF, mm-hmm. like when we were doing the innovation yeah. lab for Lenovo and NVIDIA. Like we talked, we talked to a Q management company. We talked to a customer experience analytics company. We right. talked to you, uh, you know, uh, AAP assets protection uses there. So all those are dead right. And you know what this calls to mind for me, Anne, is actually we got another review this recently this week on a clip oh. that we put on Amazon Fresh. It was an old clip. Oh, right, right. But um, it, it, it was on Amazon Fresh, and it came to us from Steve PD one mm. which I, I might know who that is. I'm not sure, but, um, but he might not like what I have to say, but he, here's what he said. He said, I hated my Amazon Fresh experience. It's like a dystopian future, depressing, cold, and colorless. Mm. Employees seem unhappy to work there. Prices were higher than local markets. I won't be returning. Ooh. And to that, I know, right? But to that, yeah. I would say, one, first of all, love the comment, but I fundamentally disagree with what he's saying there. There's Because mm-hmm. there's a premise that's there that I think is flawed, which is you're basing the technology on the experience. Right. And yes, Amazon's new to grocery. Like, yeah, they mm-hmm. probably haven't figured it out. They probably make it as inviting as your traditional local grocery store. But that's not the point here. The point is what you said before, which is this can be put into any grocery experience or it's getting to the point where it can be. And so right. if you take out, if you take your favorite grocery experience and now you say you can just walk out mm-hmm. and you can have all those other benefits too, then you have something. Right. And that's what we're on the precipice here, which, by the way, is a great segue to our next headline. Oh, it sure is. Uh, so headline number three is that Amazon has launched a new physical retail store analytics service. According to an Amazon press release this week, the new service dubbed Store Analytics, how very basic, uh, provides brands with aggregated and anonymized insights about the performance of their products, promotions, and ad campaigns in Just Walk Out technology and Amazon Dash Cart enabled Amazon Go and Amazon Fresh stores in the U.S. So brands will now have access to details on how their products are discovered, considered, and purchased in applicable stores to help inform decisions related to selection, promotions, and ad campaigns. Um, Additionally, advertisers running in-store campaigns such as digital signage will see associated performance metrics in their ad campaign reports. Uh, Chris, we we already kind of touched on this a little bit, but what would you add to this one? Well, I I think there's there's some wrinkles here too that are important to call out. Like, yes, we talked about the other other use cases for these types of platforms, Mm -hmm. but I think this is significant now because Amazon is saying they're going to do it and they're gonna provide this service to the brands or retailers that are willing to part with partner with them yep. on their continued expansion of Amazon Fresh. Right. So shots fired on yeah. that one. Yeah. Kudos to you for calling out the lame name too. That's really <laughs> funny. But um, but to me it's Fort Knox. I mean, this is I mean, we had Chad from AM, Chad Lust from AM on the show talking about the value that he saw in this as a former CPG CMO. Right around this data that they can provide. You can see what's on shelf. You can see how much is there. You can see what price it is. You can see how it's positioned relative to competitors. And you can access those results. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what we said before. This is not just about just walk out technology. Right. Right. It's about this. It's about digitizing our understanding of the physical store so we can understand how people shop in the same way that we understand e-commerce, how right. a mouse moves across a browser. That's why... This is so important. That's why this whole damn thing is, mm-hmm. I called it already, the greatest retail innovation of the next 30 years. I know I'm going to get <laughs> for being hyperbolic on that or you know, prone to hyperbole, but I really believe it. And if you really believe it, if you're a George Costanza fan, then it's not hyperbole, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. But I mean, CPGs are going to eat this up. Mm-hmm. Something like the Prime discount last week, it's another bullet in their chamber that they can use 
to make these stores more effective over time. And this is not like a now play, like going back to the video quote or mm-hmm. the video comment. <clears throat> this is a 10-year play, a 15-year yeah. play. And that's why it's so damn important. Yeah, I think the the other thing I'd point out about this too is, especially as we step away from Amazon, but into the other grocery store examples that you were talking about. I mean, if you are a grocer and you are building a retail media network, like this, which is which is right. in the you know, if we're talking about the innovations that and the technologies that are going to improve and bring in revenue for retailers over the course of the next you know immediate three to five years. To be able to have, like you're saying, the visibility into what's happening in store and what's happening, you know, in the third party delivery services even and what's happening online and to be able to provide the CPGs with that complete view of first party data is huge. So, again, I think like you're saying, it's going to start to, you know, make the case, which it's taken a little while, but making the case for investing in this kind of technology, the just walk out technology, the you know computer vision and AI technology for retailers that wasn't probably there before, but 100%. now it's it's critical. And if I put my future hat on, yeah. the other thing that this is going to start to promote is the use of electronic shelf labels. Right. Because, first of all, CPGs never know, they never have confidence that what they've bought or secured from the retailers is actually on shelf in the way it is. That's why they send all these third-party services in to check their work. And then also, they have no confidence in the pricing that's being put on shelf because the signs fall down all the time. So Mm -hmm. electronic shelf labels coordinated with cameras to give them real-time visibility to the actions they can probably implement on their own without having to even negotiate it with the retailers anymore is massive. Yes, yeah. That's where things are going, folks. That's really where things are going. And it's going to be goddamn fun to watch. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's go to headline number four. <sighs> All right. Like I said, Ann, I put on I put on my garb. This is the only piece of Gap clothing that I own. Did you what? do the same thing? It's no. the only thing I own anymore. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love the Gap. I have some banana gap. stuff. I have like... so much. I, th- that's like my favorite still. I know it's embarrassing, but my favorite spot to shop outside of like my local boutiques. But like, yeah, Gap tank top. Shorts. I think for men, they've just fallen off so much. I don't know. And like, and this is, I got this on the discount rack too. It's a size medium, but it's like so big. But fortunately, after the weight gain from the stroke, like it actually fits me fairly well now. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's just commentary on where things are. But anyway, good announcement this week. Yes. Gap Inc. announced that they are, they have unveiled four retail spaces at its Folsom Street headquarters in San Francisco that will serve as labs Hmm. according to retail dive and a gap press release the stores will serve as places to quote test new store technologies consumer experiences and product innovations end quote the brands represented will be gap old navy banana republic and athleta and will occupy nearly eighteen thousand square feet of retail space on the city's embarcadero waterfront near the ferry terminal and inside of gaps folsom street headquarters and i'm guessing you love this i do yeah, yeah. Me too. You know I am, I just said, but I'm a ride or die gap fan. I want them to succeed <laughs> so badly. Ride like so much. And I I think that they deserve a lot of credit for this. You know, they have nothing to me lose too. at this point. Me too. And they're at least doing something. I mean, they're giving each brand a little over four thousand square feet to test. Like that's big. That's a big investment, especially in this location where you ha- you know, it's like their flagship location. And what other, you know, legacy mall retailer is trying anything like this? I mean, are we seeing Journeys or The Buckle or like any of these people out there testing or trying to like put their concepts in front of people? No. Random Buckle Slab. I like that. I mean, whatever. (laughs) It was the first thing that came to mind. But 
I think it's really smart too that they're putting it in this location because you have a good mix of tourists and like mm-hmm. that trip type and you have a good mix of like the people working down in San Francisco like in their day to day, you know, going and yep. getting on the ferry and going back home like that you you're going to get a lot of information from this and they have free license to try absolutely anything here because it's a lab store. Like I love it. Let's see what sticks. Let's go from there. I mean, this could maybe maybe this could have been something Bed Bath and Beyond could have tried, and maybe that would have helped for but sure. I what? think you're probably right to some degree. I mean, I I love it too. I think I I I think I I take it even further. I think every retailer should have this approach. Yeah, like every retailer should be putting something like this in the basement of their headquarters. Right. It's a page out of Amazon's book. Right. And you do it because it gives you a license to experiment with your employees and. That's number one. Like, right. you know, depending on where your headquarters are, you might be a drive-to location. Right. But that's okay because you can experiment with your employees. But if you can get your customers in there too, they're going to know it's in your flagship location. It's going to be a different experience. They're going to give you more license to try things that you otherwise wouldn't. And they're going to want to check it out. Like, you're going to get traffic to the store because it's it sounds cool. Like, they want right. to experiment with it and see it. Which yeah. the location of this is really important because I used to work there. Yeah. Right? And they closed their flagship store uh, in Market Street. They closed another store nearby in Embarcadero Center. So, that it's really vacant in terms of Gap's presence in that area now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it fits right in. Uh, but it, to me, it's an absolute must in the Omnichannel world. Like, you look at all the stories we've covered. Yeah. And that of companies that have had success with this type of model. Revel, we just talked about them, right? Amazon Go, same approach. Mm-hmm. Sam's Club Now, look at all yep. the innovation they've spun off from that. Even Walmart's self-checkout store falls into this bucket yeah. as this idea. It doesn't even have to be in your headquarters, but you have to be doing concept work. Mm-hmm. Concept work. It's all grounded in that. And so, yeah, for me, three words, love, love, love. Okay, well, you're not going to love the last headline, I well, don't I, think. Oh, uh, I, I kind of love the headline. I don't know, oh, that, I, man. I don't know that I love the, out, the outcome of it, though, Yeah, okay, that's but, but, yeah, a better clarification. Yeah, it, it definitely caught my eye. All right, so headline number five, Chris, the FTC is suing Walmart. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a nice chortle right after wait, the- Wait for the pause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> According to Payments Dive, the- Federal Trade Commission said Tuesday that it sued Walmart in a civil lawsuit over the retailer's failure to protect customers using money transfer services at its stores from fraudsters, costing those customers hundreds of millions of dollars over years, the agency said. Walmart, quote, turned a blind eye while scammers took advantage of its failure to properly secure the money transfer services offered at Walmart stores, end quote. The FTC said in a press release, citing Walmart's failure to properly train employees or warn customers. Walmart may have even used procedures that aided the fraudsters, the agency said. Uh, Chris, this is uh, <laughs> this is no no monkeying around, as my grandpa used to say. Like, this is not good. No, yeah, no. I think to that point, I don't, I don't love the headline, but it definitely caught my attention. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. It sounds completely ominous. Um, you know, and if anyone has any information on this, let us know, because this kind of sounds like a Woodward and Bernstein thing we got potentially going on here, because... What I know, and my buddy, you know, as as for those that don't know, my buddy was just named the like head federal prosecutor in Idaho recently, and he told me something a few years ago I'll never forget. He's like, the government doesn't bring a case against you unless they think it's ironclad, hmm. which tells you a lot about the state of what else is going on politically right now too. But, um, and I've always I've never forgot that. So that tells me that they think they have something possibly with airtight proof, which makes me wonder. This is the big question for me. How far up the Walmart leadership ladder does this go? You know, does it stop with whoever was in charge of this program? Does it go further up to, say, Doug McMillan? That's the question here, and it's going to be freaking fun to watch how this plays out, and it could be quite alarming here, too. But, 
you know, hard to know without more information right now, but you got to wonder, that's my big question is how far up the ladder does it go? As it should. I mean, this right. is a big problem for America's largest retailer, especially I'm I'm upset about this. Are one. you? Yeah, you seem a little you seem a little yeah. agitated and ornery. Why? Because Walmart one is as we know, the yeah. closest and most convenient retailer for any for people in this country to get a lot of those money transfer services and is a main trip driver for a lot of those families mm-hmm. who are sending trying to send money home or wherever. And for for me, the biggest pain for, about this is that Walmart has been talking for the last year about all these efforts about how they're getting into the finance industry. They want to do their right. own money transfer services. They're trying to do financing for their customers, and they're doing all of this other stuff without like looking under the covers at their own operation and allowing this stuff to happen. And for people, in, innocent people who are just working hard and trying to get by to be taking this money from them is Oh, I'm I'm livid. Yeah, the fact that you're right. I mean, the fact that there's allusions to that that this was known and going on, yes. and was kind of deliberately shuffled under the rug. And you're not training your employees. Like you're gonna go roll out services, and your employees don't even know how to do the services that you're offering in store right now. Like yeah. that's important. Yeah, although that one, having been a former store manager and you working in stores too, like I think that one's a little thin for me. Like that's kind of the throw on that you add into like, hey, you didn't do a good job of training. Like it's just hard to train people in stores, okay. you know. So I can I can get by on that. One. But the complicit the complicit nature that is being potentially discussed here of the leadership is what is what I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can get behind that. Like this is no different than like you can't sell cigarettes to somebody who's under 18 or liquor to somebody who's under 21. Like there it's a process just like any other or a checkout process. Like you should be able. This is a this is a thing that it has repercussions like we're seeing right now if you don't do it right and i think that walmart should have been putting more priority on making sure especially as they're rolling out their own services like they are focused on this and the data that's coming in about this people were reviewing this to make sure that walmart's going to go in that direction and they did not make sure that like pause you you start seeing this information somebody glossed over it you you have to put your own financial services yeah. on hold if you're going to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and did you read the FTC the press release too? Yeah, because yeah. you're bringing up something too that's important to call out. And I I, I don't want to say it's explicitly because I want to make sure I get it right and I don't have it in front of me. But basically, they said that 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 there was there was basically a procedure in place where if you suspect fraud, still let it happen. Like it's okay to yeah. let it happen is what they're saying, and that's what you're alluding to too, which which is important. But Jesus, Ann. It's no, gonna be gonna be wild to watch this one. We're only at step one of this story, too, I imagine. But like I said, if you got any information, let us know. We're all ears. All right, and let's do the lightning round. All right, I need to take a deep breath. You do. You got woo. It's getting um, hot in here again. Again. Okay, Chris. Um, let's have some fun. All right. First question. Yes. Just in time for the Fourth of July holiday. Yes. Elka Seltzer is introducing Elka Seltzer Hangover Relief with an assist from musician T Pain, which, if you have not seen the behind the scenes story um, about T Pain, watch it. I think it's on Netflix. It's like amazing of just wow. about how he like started auto tune and oh. how it almost ruined his career. And like Usher tried to fight him on a plane. Like it's great. Oh, wow. I, I highly all recommend right. it. Okay. But Chris, Usher. my question is what is the greatest T Pain song of all time? 
Wow, I think the greatest one would actually be if he's saying plop, plop, fizz, fizz. You know, oh, what a relief it is. Like, with with, plop, with that, yeah, right? Fizz, <laughs> yeah, please fizz. do that. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. But honestly, Anna, I can't name a T-Pain song. What? I can't. I can't. I can't name one. But I'm going to buy you a drink. No, no. But he did do the SNL on a boat thing, right? Wasn't that him? Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he. so I, I, I knew that. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat, yeah, okay. right? That was it. But I can't name a song. Can okay. you name a song? One song. Yeah, buy you a drink. I oh, just that's told the you name that. of the song? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just singing it. All right, I don't know. All right, yeah, let's keep oh rolling because I'm embarrassed. Uh, B of A now, uh, analysts accused Bed Bath of turning off the air conditioning in its stores to save money this week. And what is the most miserly thing you've ever done to save money? Okay, I'm really embarrassed to talk about <laughs> oh, this. Oh, this is going to be so good. What is it? Okay, when I was in college, I was in Duluth, Minnesota. We had to drive. There was a tanning salon yeah. that was like a dollar per minute to tan, which was like cheap. We were in college and we had okay. to get tanned in the middle of the winter and be completely orange. Okay. So my roommates and I would all carpool and drive 30 minutes to get to Superior, Wisconsin. We'd cross the border, get there, and we would tag in to go do the tanning. So like somebody would do five minutes of tanning and then we'd tap in and then the other person would go in so that we could just get a little bit more tan, but only like the $5 increments because they wouldn't let us do that. You had to buy like a package of so many minutes. And that's why I look orange in every photo oh my from God. Uh, 2000 to 2004. Yeah, you know, and aside here, growing up in Arizona, like I know nothing about self-tanning beds, but like that was a stark reality to me when I moved here. Like how orange people are in the Oh winter. my God, it's embarrassing and to look back at I think at it's starting to go away finally, but like mm. maybe not, but I've, yeah, it's weird. All right. All right, Chris. Amazon unveiled a new feature in the works for its virtual assistant, Alexa, that can read aloud in a deceased loved one's voice based on just a short, I think it's 40 second recording of the person. So creepy. If you were to have a deceased celebrity be the voice of your Alexa, who would you choose? Oh, super easy. Not, it's a no brainer. Orson Welles. <laughs> Orson Welles. Citizen Kane, man. Greatest voice of all time. Oh my God. Yeah. Chris, make the coffee. Right. Good morning. That's the worst Orson Welles impersonation of all it's time. That going was on par to, with my Irish it's accent. It's going to be dewy today <laughs> in Minneapolis. Should I do Orson Welles with an Irish accent? Chris. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't, do, can't it. do it. All right. Target recently unveiled a new private label adult beverage line. And if you could create a private label alcohol in your image, what type of liquor would it be and what would it be called? Okay. I'm I'm very proud of this one. Okay. I would I would create a drink in a can. In a can. Yes. Sure. That fits. Called the hot mez. The hot mez. And yep. it'd be a spicy oh, margarita be. with champagne. In a can. In a can. A spicy margarita with Hell champagne yeah. in a can. It's I had that drink in London when we were there. With it was like a margarita and champagne, remember? Was it spicy though? No, it wasn't, yeah. but it needed some spice. It wasn't it, in a can. <laughs> it wasn't in a can. But I'm telling you, bringing that to the beach. You're all set for the 4th of July. Oh, my God. That is the perfect one for you. That is the perfect Hot one mess. for you. It's yeah. the perfect, perfect blend of trashy and classy, which is what right. you're all about. Right. All right. That wraps us up. Happy birthday today to Mike Tyson, Michael Phelps, and posthumously to the great Willie Sutton, the famous bank robber whom we have quoted oh many times on this show and who most importantly reminds us to always quote, go where the money is. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it fits all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And there's a good chance we're going to read your review aloud on this show. 
And of course, finally, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit Takeoff.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com.